From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. I am Scott Armstrong. Oh man, it's great to be back with you. And I have some servants that are with me. To my left, AJ Fry. Hey guys. Also to my left and his left. <laughs> Emily Armstrong. <laughs> the double left. Hey, everyone. Yeah. So just so you know, there's three of us around one side of this table, and there are two on the other side. So let's get to those two. Natalie Franco. Hi, how are you? And Chelsea Fry across from us. Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact. A baby octopus is about the size of a flea when it's born. A baby octopus Whoa. is mm-hmm. about the size of a flea. Wow. Yeah. That's really That's small. small. And I feel like, like I've seen small oct- octopi. Ooh, I thought you were going to say octopuses. <laughs> almost, almost did, almost did. I've seen small octopi. But when I think of an octopus, I think of like the, the big ones on, on movies that like eat whole ships. Oh. I think you're thinking of the fake kraken. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's why. I just imagine like. <laughs> Do you watch Pirates of the Caribbean? Yes, of that course. That was Freya's favorite movie <laughs> <Really>? series. <laughs> Oh my goodness, the opposite of the Kraken then. The baby. The baby. Yeah. Release the baby Kraken. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? That? That'd be a totally different movie. All the pirates are like, aww. <laughs> I picture it with a diaper <laughs> on it <laughs> and a pacifier. Oh my goodness. Well, uh, this does not lead us into our topic today, as usual, but we are in the middle of a series of what we're calling 10 Practical Steps for Planting New Churches. Now, some people would be like, why such the emphasis on planting churches? Well, we believe it's important. We believe that it's crucial and even the best way to reach a community. And so that's why we're emphasizing it. And we're specifically talking about a document that also will you can see in the show notes. They've shown up on our blogs and we can get those to you. But also we can just send you the PDF and the or the Word document if you would like. It is written by Pastor church planter, missionary, Manuel Molina, who is Salvadoranian, but also uh, really for the last 35 years has been ministering in Mexico with great effectiveness, planting more than 50 churches, and uh, his network of pastors and leaders have planted over 100. So let's dive right in. Uh, we've, I won't go through all of the previous steps, but step seven, now this is immediately after discipleship and then getting them involved in, in cell groups and spiritual, what he calls spiritual community. And we finally get to step seven, which is leadership development or model 222. Now, why does he say model 222? Because it's from 2 Timothy 2 2. That's clever. And yes, thank you. And he says, <laughs> as if I invented it. No. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, it basically st- says that we need to identify men and women. Paul is talking to Timothy. Men and women who are reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. This is not just you're discipling one person. There are so many layers. Paul's one, down to Timothy. Now he's saying, Timothy, invest in others who will invest in others. Whoa. So this is leadership development at its best. I thought this step was amazing. Um, Is there anything that jumps out at you about how you discover and develop future leaders? Something we've talked about before on this podcast, but I really am a firm believer is um, I 
like, and it sounds like Manuel is calling it the model 222. I've heard a lot of it as being phrased um, as the ICNU uh, conversation of leadership development, of recognizing the potential leader. And a lot of that happens because somebody's already a leader in the places that they are. Um, and even like looking across this table, like I'm looking at Natalie. And uh, when we knew that Freya was going to be gone, we wanted to have a voice and we started thinking about who are some people in our surroundings that we feel like have great potential and are leaders and are serving their community and have something to offer. And Natalie, you're the, you're the name that like (laughs) came to our minds. Right. And so like, that's recognizing potential and that's, you know, even uh, inviting you to come and sit on in on some of these conversations. Like we value your opinion and, and, and want to see that built up in you. And so I think we need to have more of those conversations with people because I know that Natalie's even growing in who she is by having an opportunity to be a leader and and do something like this. And I think more people in our churches, the people that are leading currently, whether they're leaders in their school or leaders in their work or leaders in their team, those are the best people that that you can start working with because they're already leaders and you just have to start talking to them about spiritual realms of leadership. You mentioned something that's that the author, uh, Manuel Molina, also said. Here's what he says. The question is not who could be a good leader but rather who is already leading Mm -hmm. and who demonstrates patterns of adequate spiritual growth and true love for others. Now that's kind of a mouthful there, but basically that kind of goes against the idea of potential. Not that we don't see potential, not that we don't try to, to help people to realize their potential, but he says a lot of times this isn't rocket science. This is just, there's somebody that has natural leadership skills and a love for God and other people. So, just start to really develop them as a leader. Uh, did that jump out at anybody else? I think that's that's really important because um, I think sometimes we could encounter a group of people and say, well, who's going to be the leader at the, out of this group? And we could just do like any, mini, miny, mo and pick one. <laughs> okay, this is the person I'm going to pick to be a leader. But it's important to like really observe and evaluate who is actually already leading, who's the natural leader in this. But I would also say that don't push that person into being a leader like you. For my personal story, I had a youth pastor who I really respect and I loved him and he was great in my spiritual development. And he saw leadership in me that I didn't see. And he took me into, into his office at one point and said, you know, I, could, I really see you could be a great, uh, a great youth pastor. And that scared me to death because I, I was not thinking that way at all. I did not want to preach. I could not be like this guy. And to me, it felt like he was trying to push me and like to fit his shoes. And that scared me away from being wanting to be a leader at all in the church. And so I think the opposite of that is, or maybe the healthier version, not that, again, he was a great guy. I really respect this guy. But like the person you want to train to be a leader already has leadership skills. They just may need to discover them more and develop them more, but they have their own style and their own, their own way of leading. I would, I would say encourage them in their way of leading and not in your own way of leading. Wow. That's good. Training them to lead does not mean they'll lead exactly like you. Exactly. Exactly. And actually I've been feeling this way too. Like sometimes I feel overwhelmed because People expect me to do something as a new leader because I'm just new in this mm-hmm. in this way. And p- 
people expect me to preach, for example, I'm so bad. All the time I say, like, <laughs> I am not good at preaching. I'm so, I will not be able, never be able to, to preach. But I was able one time. But it was because nobody pushed me. But mm. sometimes yeah. I feel, you know, they, they, they think, I know you can do it. I know you can do it better. And I feel this pressure over me. I feel mm. like kind of overwhelmed sometimes mm -hmm. and it doesn't help me at all mm -hmm. yeah. so i think this is something important not to push others like he said but to just encourage them without i don't know how to hide it but it's like without pushing it's like yeah. you can do it but try this something you feel comfortable with sure. first and then you will see little by little you will get that. Yeah, encouraging them, not forcing. Exactly, not stuff. forcing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you can't give them feedback. That's not what we're saying sure. on the opposite side of that. It's not saying, Natalie, if you did this a little bit different, then it would be more effective. That's not mm -hmm. what you're saying. You want that feedback. But it's just like claiming a call on someone's life when maybe you don't know that mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, well, Emily, I know you're going to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, and Scott, can you read the actual verse again? Yeah, I can. So this version just says, identify men and women who are reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Okay. And I think when I think about those, you know, the verse that actually is used as the base of this is Paul is exhorting Timothy to look for qualified people. Mm -hmm. And um, one mistake I think we make in the church and especially in church planting realms is we need everybody to be a leader, but maybe not everybody is ready for leadership or maybe they're never going to be a leader. Or like Natalie, what you're saying is like, I do see a lot of leadership qualities in you, but that doesn't equate to a preaching call necessarily. Exactly. And, and sometimes as the church, we're like, oh, but we need a preacher or, oh, we need a Sunday school teacher. And because Natalie's really good, uh, uh, she's a leader. So let's put her into this, you know, or, and, and I think that's maybe a little bit what you're saying, AJ, is just because we have some leadership qualities, you still need to find the area where God's given them to exactly. be a leader. Exactly. And not everybody is going to be a teacher. Not mm -hmm. everybody is going to be a preacher. Um, so as a church planter, that's really, really important to help help people find where their gifting of leadership can be can be exercised. Natalie, there were two missionaries that you were able to here in Dominican Republic really get to know well. And I'm kind of thinking of Luce and Jesse. I don't know if you maybe saw, did they, I feel like they did, but did, did you see that they developed leaders well when they were planting their church? Actually, yes. So I remember the very first time I went to Haina, it was the um, neighborhood they were planting this new church and the first time we went there it was as a maximum mission mm -hmm. so pretty much all the churches in the central district we were doing this so we were like maybe 100 youth mm. and people were not open and nobody wants to hear anything but even though we were just doing our work because we were we were in there for like three days and they were the one who stayed in Haina. And um, little by little, every time I had the opportunity to go to Haina, I saw new people and new and more people and more people. And I saw like difference from the very first time I was in Haina. And I remember they were not only teaching the people to love God and everything, but also they were discipling. And also they were trying to, 
tell them, like, you have to also teach others about mm. this. And they were teaching others how to teach others, mm. actually. Mm. And they were, like, um, doing it by actions. This is something that I really admire. Like, they were doing it by actions. So they were doing it, and then they were trying to tell them to join them. Mm. So by the time they left, there was someone who was taking care of the church, mm-hmm. who is Marixa, and I think you know them. Mm-hmm. So Marixa was teaching others to become a leader, and these leaders were teaching others as well. So wow. now, Haina, when my pastor calls people from Haina to go to our church, they are a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the very first time, we didn't have anybody from Haina, and now we have a group a very mm-hmm. big group from Haina. And one of the first people, Maritza, who uh-huh. ex- accepted the Lord or made a decision She for was Christ. one of the first one, yes. Now she is the pastor. She is the pastor, exactly. Yeah. And I, I always remember when we would go there, and this happens in a lot of the uh, churches that are planted with Genesis, they were investing in children. So when mm-hmm. we went, the children were leading music, mm-hmm. and the children were up in front. And I know for some people it's like, well— that shouldn't be happening and they can come up once a month and they'll have a special dance or something else, you know, Mm -hmm. but this was every service. 10 year olds and 12 year olds were up in front and leading, really reading scripture and leading. And guess what? Now, six years, five years later, they are now 17 years old. They are Mm -hmm. now 15 years old and Mm -hmm. they're really doing a good job at leading. It's Mm -hmm. really pretty cool. And when this is the lifestyle of a church planter. So Luce and Jesse modeled that lifestyle of leadership development. Okay. Like, I kind of love to hear your testimony, Natalie, that mm-hmm. you're like, hey, they were developing all these people in Haina, but you were developed in that ministry as well. Like, you weren't mm-hmm. a part of the church that was being planted, but you were given so many opportunities to evangelize for the first time mm-hmm. and to go and serve maybe for the one of the first times and like look what God's done in your life over the past five years and that was a piece of the just the living the lifestyle like they might have not been like hey we've identified Natalie as one of these people but because they just live that way of like hey Natalie come alongside you know and like exactly. they were recognizing that in mm-hmm. you of somebody that is worthy to to get in this with us you know exactly. so that's pretty cool. We probably should mention that, really, Manuel Molina thinks that leaders should be developed in at least three main areas, which are being, knowing, and doing. And another way to say it is in character, in knowledge, and in practical skills. So I think I love that because a lot of times we think leadership training is teaching them concepts, principles, uh, basically data, like open your brain up and I'm going to fill it with these <laughs> concepts. And But he's saying, no, this is the being, the knowing, and then also the practical skills of how, how would you actually implement what we're teaching you? This leads us to step eight, which is corporate worship. So we've gone, remember, from leadership development and now we're at corporate worship. I don't know about you guys. This is amazing. I, I feel like If I were to do the steps, of course, years ago, probably, and without knowing Manuel, I would have probably put this as number two or three. But like, (laughs) did you guys react the same way? I mean, Mm -hmm. this is step eight. To me, I think it's interesting because so we're at step eight and he's talked about this whole time of different things. 
um, we talked about in the the last episode, the discipleship and spiritual community. And he says in this portion on step eight that the emphasis is more about those small groups and cell groups and that the corporate worship is like a byproduct of it. Um, they come together to celebrate what God is doing. But really the work and the 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 grind is happening in those cell groups, which I I love because it's more intimate, it's more personal, you get to know the people in your group. Whereas sometimes if you walk into a worship service, there's two thousand people in there. Mm-hmm. Do you know everybody? No. no so how can people <laughs> speak into your life? So I appreciate that this is step number eight because the focus is this more intimate discipleship type model. This is so radical because <laughs> it's like there are so many Christians nowadays that think that's the only part of being a Christian. Mm. Yeah. The service. Yeah. They, like, well, I go to service every week and yeah. like, <laughs> I just, oh, I'm thinking about so many Christians that don't do anything in any other time. Yeah. And I love how this is step eight. And he says, this is a byproduct. Just, you said it very well of what's already been happening. I mean, yeah. the natural part of people, you know, coming to know the Lord, being disciples, being in communities, meeting at homes or in other places, like, and then becoming leaders is let's do this in a big celebration. You know, let's do this together. It's a very important part. He's not minimizing it, but we don't start with that. Yeah. I like, I like how he uses the word celebration too. It's not, he doesn't use the word service. You know, he says it's a, it's a time of celebration when we all come together. I have in mind like <laughs> this picture. I don't have examples of this actually happening. I've never seen this actually happen. <laughs> you but, need to plant a church. Yes. So We've actually talked about this. <laughs> you, you've talked about Honest it? moment. Yes. Oh, I'm curious to know what this yeah. is. <laughs> so I have, I have like this, this picture in my head. Like when we come to this, to this point of the steps and it could fit in step eight of like everybody coming together as a true celebration, like let's all meet together in a park and let's have this party, you know, let's share our victories, maybe our failures, things that we've learned throughout the week or throughout the months, um, things that we've experienced. Obviously there's going to be food because that's where we congregate around. Yes. <laughs> and there's, there's definitely got to be like cake and ice cream or something. Cause it's that's, a celebration. yeah, it's a celebration. It's important. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just, that's just like this beautiful picture I have in my mind. This is how like a, a, a service should be a, this celebration. So you're saying even like weekly? Sure, maybe weekly. <laughs> you're yeah. like cake and ice cream. I mean, why not? Why not daily? Every, you know? day. <laughs> Every day. Every <laughs> day. But honestly, when we so AJ and I have over the last couple of years, we blame you guys, Scott and Emily. Uh-oh. Um, I, we think that eventually the Lord will call us to church plant. We don't know what that looks like or when that is. It's not right now, so don't ask. And that's but, why we've done this whole series <laughs> to try to persuade kidding. them. Uh, Chelsea and AJ won't be on the podcast anymore. Uh, no. But I think what's so cool about this series that we actually are doing is it fits exactly with what we've dreamed about and what we've talked about. If we were to church plant, the focus would be on these small groups. And the the idea of coming together is totally celebration. Look at what God has done. We started with two people and now we have enough people that we have to rent out a park pavilion to fit us all in. Like that's just super cool. So I like it. That is awesome. And we can add cake. Yes. Yes. Ice cream is essential. Cake cake and ice cream were not under the benefits that Manuel Molina put, but I think it could be. Step 8A. Step 8A. (laughs) Ice cream. But I, I think this is really good because if we are really focusing on the cell groups or the decentralized model, then it allows people to know the church, capital C, 
which are people outside of the building. You know, we still to this day, even with new converts, mm. have this concept of the church as the building. Mm-hmm. And according to these 10 steps, I mean, you're not going to have too many people that think that. We're in I mean, step eight out of 10 and he has not mentioned a building once. Yeah. Well, and now he does. He says, is it necessary for each church right. to have a building? I mean, yeah. There's not like a step two buy a building. <laughs> yeah, like, that's right. Build a building. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. So like, uh, I know that you guys have struggled with this because you're working witness coordinators and kind of one way of thinking of work and witness was like, get a group to come bring funds and build a build church it building. and they will come. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but like we've talked so much with you guys and you guys have dreamed of something that's so much bigger than that. You know, um, what if work and witness were not just based on the building, but what if all of ministry, you know, in Dominican Republic were not based on a building, the buildings, yeah. people have heard us in previous episodes and I've gotten a little feedback <laughs> that we're, um, in Spanish, it's anti-templo. Uh, but it's like against the building and we're against the church building. We're not. But we want to see the church building as this place for celebration yeah. and also as a place for serving your community. Not this place that everyone's like, ah, we're really the church. The only time we are is when we're there on Sunday mornings mm. and maybe one other time, you know. Mm. Yeah, I think. You know, you even said it just a few minutes ago, but the radical nature of what this step is saying is I've read a lot of church planting books and I've even taken some church planting classes in courses and it all seems to do with like gather up your core group first and have a launch Sunday and Mm -hmm. have your venue planned and invite people to it. And like that is how you plant the church is on your launch Sunday, right? Mm. And um, man, when I read that stuff, I'm just like, that is so far outside of, and again, Scott said, this is step eight of 10. And so many church planting things start with launch when you've got 68 people already. And I even asked somebody once, they were, they had told me, well, we've been, you know, doing, they've been doing this organic process, but they still weren't saying that they had a church yet. They said, well, we're truly launching our church like a year after they had started meeting small cell groups and small group time and, you know, doing all of these things that we had just, but they, they had still like 50 people. Already. They still did not consider themselves a church until launch Sunday wow. happened. And That's I was like, so like, what have you been doing for the past <laughs> yeah. year? Have you not been? <laughs> church planting and like yeah but like they couldn't answer right because this is such a radical thought and maybe not for us that's sitting here in this room because we talk about it so often but i think in the reality of church plant world this still is very very radical that Mm -hmm. people are like you would start with just people you really would start and like the corporate worship service would grow out of the need for community yes that's what we're saying that is what we would bank on and we would say wait till step eight (laughs) so funny we we were just in a meeting with the regional director for the mesoamerica region and he was asking some some district superintendents like are you are you organizing a church this year at your district assembly? And they were like, well, we have one that's not going to organize, but maybe the next year. And his question was, what does it take to plant a church? Mm. And And we've talked about that on this podcast before, the definition of a church. And it's a committed place at a committed time with a, commu- a committed leader. Mm. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> 
And wait, he, wait, come on. That's... He said that to them. He was like, so do you have those three things? Why are we not organizing? Yeah. And most of them had already like sur- like meeting regularly like, with a committed leader at a committed time mm-hmm. with 50 people sitting in their building on Sunday. Like, Yeah. yeah. Well, our, our Genesis missionaries right now, oh, I don't know if I should share this, uh, but in one, of our, in one of our sites, like right now, the leaders of that site that I love dearly are like, you know what? We've got to make sure we have a building. We have to have this building. They're meeting in homes. They're meeting in this, um, like this warehouse. They're meeting even in parks and there's some good momentum, but the leaders are like, you're not a real church until you get this building. Mm -hmm. And so they've even asked us, could you please send us money so that we could have the, and I was like, what in the yes. world? Like, it's a lot of money so in the heart of that city where they are. Mm-hmm. A lot of money. And I was like, first of all, we do not have that. No, Second right. of all, tell us how that's going to make a difference. Right. Like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you have this building. And Emily, when you were talking, it's a complete change from we have, all of us have learned. And we've had to retrain ourselves. But we've grown up learning an attractional mm-hmm. model. Mm-hmm. Come and see. Come and see. Hmm. You know what that does? That places a lot of pressure on us to have the best band, to have the best preaching, to have the best looking building. And we don't do that as well as the world does. Mm -hmm. Like, we just don't. Mm -hmm. What we do is uh, way better than, or we should, way better than the world, is love each other. Love one another Mm is, uh, is develop leaders in a, in a healthy, amazing, multiplying way you know those are things we can offer and those are contagious honestly that's why the church in acts grew Mm -hmm. it wasn't just attractional because we had this out front like please look come you know to this one event it was just this contagious eating in each other's homes worshiping loving one another and it says of course the lord added to their number daily right Mm -hmm. that's what i want to be a part of right you had mentioned organization, organizing the church, and we will touch on that uh, in the next episode. Don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs> yeah. Oops. No, but that's perfect because it's a great segue. And we want to just say, maybe you guys, oh man, there are people that are listening right now that are like, I want to continue this discussion. Or maybe you're saying, I want to be a part of church planting. Amen. <laughs> and if that's you, just let us know. Where can they let us know, Emily? Yeah, find our contact tab on mesoamericagenesis.org. You can also find us at Worthless Servants Podcast on Facebook. Send us a direct message, send us a comment, and we'd love to get you in contact with people uh, here in the region that are church planting. We have a vision to plant many, many, many churches. And if God is touching your heart, and if there are things that you've heard on this podcast that are like, I want to be a part of a church like that, and it just doesn't exist around me. Maybe God's calling you to be that church planter. Uh, We'd love to start resourcing you and getting you into processes so that you could become a church planter with the Church of the Nazarene. Yeah, yeah. Good, man. Ooh, I want to keep talking and uh, and listening (laughs) to you guys. This was awesome. But we will cap it off here, and we'll come back next time in two weeks. For now, we are the Worthless Servants, and I am Scott Armstrong. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Emily Armstrong. I'm Natalie Franco. And I'm Chelsea Fry. And we'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at MesoAmericaGenesis.org.